Chapters nineteen and twenty of the clock struck one by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nineteen. More mysteries. When Pallant made this remarkable statement, he looked up sharply to see how Dora was affected by it. Her face had flushed hotly and her eyes brightened. In place of sorrow, her whole expression was that of relief and gladness pallant could not forbear a cynical remark on her want of feeling you do not seem sorry to hear that your father is dead miss carew i do not know why i should display a sorrow which i do not feel she replied quietly you must remember mr pallant that my parents are nothing to me i was taken away from them when i was a year old and i have no feeling of love towards them i am glad that my father is dead may i ask why because had he lived he might have been guilty of murder at least i am spared the dishonour of having a criminal for a parent pallant chuckled and seemed about to speak however he thought better of it and merely turned away his face to hide a peculiar smile dora took little notice of his action being absorbed in her own thoughts is this what you told mr edermont in the conversation you had with him yes i was sorry for the miserable little creature the thought of Carew roaming the earth in search of him was his constant nightmare. It did not matter to me whether he knew or not. Certainly it did not affect my plans, so I never inflict useless cruelty, Miss Carew. I told him the truth, that his lifelong enemy was dead and buried, that henceforward he could sleep in safety. The result proved your assertions to be false. What is that to me? said Pallant with a shrug. I am no prophet to foretell the day and hour of a man's death. I said that Carew was past harming him. That was true. Carew did not kill him. Then who did? My dear young lady, if I could tell you that, I should be the richer by fifty thousand pounds. But on that point I am as ignorant as you are. I held your father in my arms when he died. I saw him buried. It was not Carew who killed Dargill, alias Edermont, and there is nothing in the story told to me by your father likely to throw light on the mystery. You, you do not think my mother killed him, faltered Dora. Pallant scoffed at the idea. Could those little hands wield a heavy club? Could those weak muscles deliver so terrible a blow? No, Miss Carew, your mother is too weak, too, if I dare say so, cowardly to do such a thing she is as innocent of this death as your father dargill's fate is not due to the vendetta of the past it must be due to something of the sort mr pallant no one had any interest in killing so harmless a man no one in this neighbourhood you mean yes i have lived here all my life and i know everything about my guardian he had few friends and lived quietly among his books and flowers beyond his constant fear lest my father should find him out i never saw him distressed in any way and in some things mr edermont was as transparent as a child if he had been threatened by any person about here i should have known it then you think his death must be due to what took place twenty years ago don't you think so yourself mr pallant no miss carew i do not replied the red-haired man quietly if your father had lived i might have held a different opinion 
but knowing the story of the past you can see for yourself that excepting carew no one had any motive or desire to kill dargill then what is your own theory asked dora rather confounded by this argument burglary yes mr edermont was known to be rich this house is in a lonely situation and i dare say the burglar made himself acquainted with the garrison of the mansion two women and one old man small odds against a sturdy villain inspector jedd of canterbury is also of my opinion the burglar or burglars broke in ransacked the desk killed edermont who interrupted them and then bolted that is my theory miss carew i do not agree with you replied dora calmly you forget that nothing was taken out of the bureau but that manuscript containing the story of the past how do you know that the manuscript was in the bureau mr edermont said so in his will nevertheless he might have changed its hiding-place said pallant coolly or my information that his enemy was dead might have induced him to burn it as useless with the death of carew ceased all necessity to keep that story in writing and again miss carew how do you know but that money or jewels may have been hidden in the bureau it is possible but not probable replied dora cautiously i don't think mr edermont kept anything there save bills and letters no doubt he preserved also the packet of letters you wished to obtain and which he gave to lady burville said pallant very possibly i was vexed at not getting those letters what information did they contain much that i know and you don't answered pallant they related to you to me cried dora in surprise what about me ah said pallant grimly that is exactly what i wanted to find out however lady burville has them now and she'll keep them he made this speech in a tone of such genuine regret that dora saw he was in earnest it was no use questioning him upon matters of which he was ignorant so she changed the subject you warned me once against alan scott said she after a pause did you mean that you believed him to be guilty no at the time i made the remark edermont was alive why i warned you was to make you give up the idea of marriage with him i know from lady burville that scott was here on the night the crime was committed but for all that i do not believe him to be guilty i am thankful to hear you say so mr pallant you need not be replied pallant coldly if i thought scott was guilty i should have no hesitation in denouncing him but i do not see what motive he had to commit so terrible a crime he could not win you for a wife by doing so he could not gain a fortune and he would be running into danger without hope of reward no alan scott is innocent i believe he is myself said dora emphatically but you know mr pallant he refuses to tell me the secret which mr edermont confided to him and which prevents our marriage he is quite right to do so miss carew i know that secret also and it would do you no good to learn it besides that knowledge had nothing to do with the death of mr edermont but what about the paper taken out of the bureau if it was not destroyed said pallant it is hard to say what became of it the manuscript as we are told by the will contained the story of mr edermont's past life 
now through carew i know that story and therefore the contents of that paper excepting carew himself i know no one who would have killed your guardian for the possession of that written information but undoubtedly the murder was committed to gain possession of the manuscript we don't agree on that point said pallant but granting for the sake of argument it was so that is exactly why i can't name the assassin if the possession of that paper was essential to his safety if his name was mentioned in it in connection with the past of mr edermont i am ignorant of some of the past evidently carew did not tell me all it is just as well he did not said dora curling her lip you have made bad use of what you do know oh a man must live you know retorted pallant coolly as he rose to take his leave i prefer to get money without work if i can we all do i'll put a stop to your quite right was the insolent answer if you can but you see my dear young lady you can't after which remark pallant bowed himself out of the room dora accompanied him as far as the gate and as he passed through she asked him a question which had been in her mind all the time of the interview why did you come down here she asked abruptly it was not to condole with me no it wasn't candidly admitted pallant but i want fifty thousand pounds and i thought you might help me to get it i decline to do so said dora coldly and i don't see how i can help you as you decline to give your aid said pallant quietly there is no necessity to discuss the matter but i fancied you might be able to tell me something about mr joad you don't think he killed edermont why not certainly i did not know his name in connection with mr edermont's past but for all that he might have killed his patron for what reason mr pallant that is just where i require to be enlightened by you i am afraid i cannot enlighten you she replied and i would not if i could there is no sense in believing joad killed my guardian in the first place far from being desirable mr edermont's death was a bad thing to happen for joad's comfort in the second mr joad was in his cottage at one o'clock in the morning as was proved by mr pride to my own knowledge the murder was committed about that time so mr joad could not have been the assassin it all seems clear enough said pallant preparing to climb into the trap which was waiting for him but all the same i mistrust joad you say the murder was committed at one o'clock joad says he was in his cottage at one o'clock and calls upon mr pride to substantiate his statement very good we will believe all that but added pallant gathering up the reins your clock in the hall might have been wrong after which remark he raised his hat and drove off smiling dora did not think that his remark about the clock was worthy of consideration for she had set her watch by it before retiring to bed on the night of the second of august it was right then and no one could possibly have put it wrong in the meantime joad had proved his alibi clearly enough and there was no possible suspicion that he was guilty of the crime especially as its committal had not been to his advantage curiously enough joad knew nothing of pallant's visit nor did dora intend to inform him of it he had been in the library all the morning reading ancient books and sipping brandy out of the flask he carried constantly in the tail pocket of his dingy coat not wishing to disturb him in the midst of his pleasures dora returned to her own sitting-room and sat down to think 
while thus employed mrs tice entered the room with a letter in her hand she looked distressed my dear young lady she said hastily i am afraid i must return to mr allen he is ill ill cried dora jumping up what is the matter with him i fancy he has fretted himself into a kind of fever said mrs tice glancing at the letter this has just been sent over emma wrote it emma was a servant in scott's house mr allen did not want me to be told but emma thought it best i should know i must really return and nurse my dear mr allen concluded mrs tice smoothing down her apron with trembling hands you shall go this afternoon cried dora i'll send meg to the hotel for a trap and we will go over together mrs tice smiled and looked grateful i hope you won't think me unkind miss carew oh dear no meg will protect me against joad said dora and after a pause she added abruptly you do not ask me what i was doing in london yesterday i did not think you wished to let me know miss you refused to tell me last night i know i did but i'll tell you now because you may be able to help me mrs tice said dora solemnly i have seen lady burville yes miss and what of that asked mrs tice cheerfully do you know who lady burville is i know nothing about her miss save she's a patient of mr allen's then i'll tell you mrs tice she is my mother the housekeeper's ruddy face paled and she sat down on the nearest chair your mother miss carew are you sure i am certain lady burville informed me of the relationship and told me her story in that case said mrs tice with emphasis you know now why a marriage between you and mr allen is impossible that is just what i do not know was dora's reply my mother did not tell me all her story now i want you to relate what she kept hidden tell me what you have heard miss and i'll see said mrs tice after a pause very good said dora taking a seat near the old dame i'll tell you my story you will tell yours and between us we may save allen's life chapter twenty the sins of the father when dora made that last remark the face of mrs tice grew red and indignant she looked at the girl with a fiery eye and demanded crossly what she meant by saying such a thing knowing the attachment of the housekeeper to allen this was natural enough the fact is explained dora mr joad accuses allen of murdering mr edermont and what next i wonder cried mrs tice in high dudgeon it is more likely mr joad killed the man himself can he substantiate his accusation he can state that allen was in this house on the night of the murder that does not say mr allen committed the crime retorted mrs tice her face a shade paler mr allen told me in confidence that he had seen the dead body and had kept silent for his own sake i quite agreed with him that it was the best thing to do and he told you also miss carew yes he told me also but he did not inform joad then how does joad know that mr allen was here on that night he saw him from the door of his cottage said dora quietly but you need not be afraid for allen mrs tice i can save him and close joad's mouth but how my dear asked the housekeeper greatly perplexed by becoming the wife of mr joad mercy on me miss carew you would not do that 
exclaimed mrs tice lifting up her hands in horror i won't do it unless i am forced to said dora gloomily but supposing joe denounces allen how can he defend himself i know that he is innocent but his presence here on that night looks guilty appearances are against him certainly but if mr allen is arrested he will have to save his life by denouncing your father as the murderer my father is not the murderer i say that he is cried mrs tice emphatically for twenty years george carew has been hunting down mr dargill i suppose lady burville told you his real name and he caught him at last and killed him you are wrong said dora shaking her head i thought as you did before mr pallant arrived he undeceived me what does mr pallant know about it he knows everything he met my father in san francisco two years ago and my father told him the whole story before he died died do you mean to say that george carew is dead he is dead and buried captain carew dead muttered mrs tice in a bewildered tone dead and without avenging himself on the man who stole his wife then who killed mr dargill or rather mr edermont i do not know that is just what i wish to find out no one else had any reason to kill him said the housekeeper in dismay and yet he is dead dead murdered you are right my dear she added in a firm tone this is a serious matter for mr allen joad hates him so that he would willingly perjure himself to see my dear boy hanged but we must save him you and i we must save him miss carew to do so we must understand one another said dora you must tell me all i shall do so cried mrs tice energetically yes hitherto i have said nothing out of consideration for your feelings now i shall tell you why captain carew your father my dear hated mr edermont so deeply but first let me hear what your mother revealed i may be able to relate those things which she kept hidden from you thus adjured to confess dora related the story of the past as told to her by lady burville she could not bear even to think of her as mother mrs tice listened in severe silence only nodding her head now and then at some special point in the story when dora concluded she sat quiet for two minutes then gravely delivered herself of her opinion i see that you do not look upon this woman as a mother my dear young lady she said solemnly and you are right to do so may i speak plainly as plainly as you like mrs tice i have no filial feeling for the mother who deserted me and left her helpless child to be brought up by a stranger mr dargill was scarcely a stranger corrected mrs tice he was your mother's second husband as she told you oh heavens you are quite right mrs carew as i knew her was always a light-headed selfish woman given over to vanity and pleasure she cared only for money and idleness and i'll be bound she was only too glad to get rid of you so as to give herself a chance of a third marriage as an unencumbered widow yet what she came through would have sobered many a woman but there mrs carew was always a feeble frail coquette she loved only one thing in the world then and she loves only one thing now herself was what she told me true oh yes the tale she told is true enough 
but it is trimmed and cut to suit her own ends. She was ashamed to tell you everything, I suppose. A wicked woman she is, Miss Carew, for all that she is your mother. Owing to her coquetry and love of money, poor Mr. Dargill came to his end as surely as if she had killed him herself. We don't know that yet, said Dora thoughtfully. Remember, it was not her first husband who killed him. That is true, assented Mrs. Tice. Nevertheless, I can think of no other person who had an interest in your guardian's death. But I had best tell you my story, Miss Carew, and you can judge for yourself. Will your story enable me to discover the real murderer? I don't say that, replied Mrs. Tice reluctantly. As I said before, you must judge for yourself. She took her spectacles off and laid them on the table. Then, folding her mittened hands on her lap, she began the amended version of that story which Lady Burville had told to Dora. The missing portion, supplied by the memory of the housekeeper, was by far the most exciting episode of the tale. "'The whole affair took place at Christchurch in Hampshire,' she said slowly. "'You were right in your guess as to the locality, Miss Carew. I was born and brought up and married there, but twenty-five years ago my husband died.' and to support myself i had to go out again to service dr and mrs scott took me in as a nurse to their newly-born child mr allen that is his mother died shortly after giving him birth and his bringing up was left to me dr scott took little heed of the child he was a handsome man clever in his profession but fond of going about the country to pleasure parties and of flirting with his lady patients he was said to be deeply in love with Mrs. Carew. Was my father with her then? No, my dear. This was two years after Mr. Allen was born, and your mother was not married then. A Miss Treherne she was, a pretty, fair-haired girl, shallow and frivolous. She had three suitors. Dr. Scott was one, Mr. Julian Dargill was the second, and Captain Carew the third. Was Mr. Edermont rich, then? Mr. Julian Dargill was rich, corrected Mrs. Tice. I prefer to talk of Mr. Edermont by his real name, my dear. He was a weak, effeminate little man with a noble head, and even then his hair was of a silvery whiteness. It was your description that made me recognize him on the day I showed you his picture. He wore no beard, then, said Dora, remembering the portrait. No, he was clean-shaven. No doubt he afterwards adopted the beard as a disguise to escape Captain Carew. Well, Miss Treherne hesitated between the three suitors for many months. At last her parents decided for her, and for some reason forced her to marry Carew. Why, I do not know, for the captain was not rich. He was of a violent temper, and usually he was absent at sea. However, she married him and became Mrs. Carew and shortly after the honeymoon her husband went to sea. While he was absent, Mrs. Carew carried on with Mr. Dargill and Dr. Scott. I must say she behaved very badly, and public opinion was quite against her, so much indeed that six months afterwards she left Christchurch. Had she received news of my father's supposed death then? said Dora, flushing a little at the disapproving way in which Mrs. Tice spoke of her mother. Yes, the mate of Captain Carew's ship was saved and came home to tell the story. Then Mrs. Carew went away with what small property she had. 
it was supposed she went to london and it was noticed that mr dargill left christchurch after she did when she reappeared at christchurch she brought you miss carew and her new husband mr dargill that was a year afterwards yes it was quite a year if not more said mrs tice but she married mr dargill as soon as she could after the report of her first husband's death was my mother in love with mr dargill in love echoed the housekeeper contemptuously she was never in love with any one but herself are you not rather hard on her mrs tice said dora reflecting that after all this despised woman was her mother and entitled to some consideration far from it my dear young lady was the emphatic rejoinder of mrs tice indeed out of pity for your position and feelings i am speaking as well as i can of her but what can you think of a woman who marries three husbands and leaves her child to be brought up far away from her in all these twenty years miss carew added the old dame nodding i dare swear your mother has not given you a single thought she was willing enough to recognize me said the girl attempting a defence of the indefensible she made the best of a bad job you mean retorted mrs tice if you had not produced that brooch and showed lady burville plainly that she was in your power she would never have acknowledged the relationship she knew you could not denounce your own mother and that is why she spoke up she might wish to make amends for her conduct mrs tice shook her head laura carew laura dargill laura burville whatever you like to call her she said is not the kind of woman to regret her conduct in any way no no don't you deceive yourself lady burville was in a trap and she used her knowledge of your birth to get out of it but all this is beside my question said dora wearied of this constant blame i asked you if my mother was in love with mr dargill no she was not what woman could love that miserable little creature you saw enough of him miss carew and i am sure you neither loved nor respected him no i certainly did not said dora gravely and yet seeing that he brought me up out of charity i should certainly have paid him more attention he acted well by you i don't deny answered mrs tice reluctantly and it was good of him to help lady burville by taking charge of you but what i cannot understand is why he did not stay with her how could he mrs tice for in the first place his marriage was void as my father was alive and in the second you may be sure that captain carew kept a watch on my mother to see if mr dargill would come near her no doubt he thought to trap him in that way perhaps replied mrs tice ambiguously but if your father kept watch upon his wife why did he permit her to marry sir john burville i cannot say said dora colouring she knew her mother's opinion on that point but my mother thought that captain carew was dead else you may be sure that she would not have married again i am not so sure of that grumbled mrs tice your mother would do anything for money i remember that she took spare me further details said dora blushing and finish your story i have not heard yet why allan cannot marry me i will say no more then said mrs tice hastily but to make a long story short captain carew was not dead and returned to claim his wife as i have said he was madly jealous of his wife and he had a fearful temper 
when he heard that his wife had married again he swore that he would kill her second husband dargill was away at the time and captain carew kept such a watch on his wife that she could send no warning he wished to kill dargill who was expected back by a late train all this came out at the inquest my dear it was dargill's habit to cross the lawn and enter the drawing-room by the french window as afterwards was stated by the servants captain carew found this out and hid himself in the drawing-room with a pistol he saw a man approaching at nine o'clock and as the stranger stepped into the room he shot him shot mr dargill no miss carew said mrs tice shaking her head he made a mistake he shot dr scott dr scott ellen's father cried dora rising to her feet with a pale face yes mr allen's father mrs dargill your mother had sent for him to see how her second husband was to be saved from the fury of captain carew he fell into the trap laid for mr dargill and was shot through the heart then captain carew fled and was never caught it was supposed that he had gone to the continent and now miss carew you know why mr allen cannot marry you because because of that murder gasped dora in broken tones yes mr allen cannot marry the daughter of the man who killed his father in cold blood End of chapters nineteen and twenty